Earlier, we are continuing our series called Secret Sauce, Discovering the Power of Daily Devotion. I don't know about you, but I wasn't raised in the church. I was raised in a nominal type of Christianity, a very religious type of Christianity. And things like devotions, things like prayer, things like reading God's Word, things like worship, not only were weird to me, but there, were, there, there was nothing in me that would ever have said, I desire to do these things. Like, I think about prayer and go, oh, I want to pray. And it was, of course, until I myself discovered uh, the power of prayer and, the, and a relationship with God was completely transformed my life and completely transformed how I view these things. And so what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is is asking ourselves the question, what is the secret sauce of the Christian life? What is the secret sauce of having devotions? Is it about following the rules and ticking boxes and appearing to be all holy Joe and all spiritual? Or is there more? And of course, back in week one, we defined secret sauce. The English dictionary defines secret sauce as being a sauce that adds an important element to a dish, a quality, ability, or practice that makes something successful or distinctive. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, not someone who's actively following Jesus, and you're curious and wondering what is Lighthouse, what is the Christian faith, what if, you, if someone brought you or someone in your family is a Christ follower, what is the secret sauce that they seem to have that helps them with life. And if you're here and if you're, you are a Christ follower and you're wondering the same thing because you haven't experienced it, that's what we're talking about. We're talking, what is this, this secret thing that's at work in their lives that seems to be helping them no matter what they face? Another way of saying it is, is that a secret sauce is like the hidden power in the life of those who follow Jesus. It, it's, it's that thing that helps to make their faith special. As we learned back in week one, you can watch this on YouTube, the power of the Christian life, it is in us, but it's not of us. In other words, religion is all about man's attempt, man's bid, man's desire, man's, you know, trying to build a bridge towards God, to earn God's approval, to earn God's recognition, to earn God's favor. And religion never works. It fails everyone every single time. And the sad thing is, actually, if you read God's word, God himself said, I don't want religion. What God desired when he created humanity was he wanted relationship. The same desire in every single one of you here in the room or online who desires to have a friend and be a friend and be in family and, and so on and so forth. That desire for, that, for connection, for community, for context is actually a reflection of the Father in heaven who created us. And God created us for relationship not for religion and what he's done to make that relationship possible is he's given us the gift of the holy spirit now before you start freaking out and thinking about stranger things part three listen the holy spirit is god god the father god the son god the holy spirit and when jesus was about to be crucified and about to be killed and buried before he rose from the dead he promised that when he ascended into heaven he would send to us another counselor Another advocate, another supporter, a helper, someone who was exactly like him in every way, who would be with us and live in us and help us in life. The secret sauce of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit because he makes relationship with God possible. And no matter how religious we are, no matter how much we follow rules, how moral we are, how good we are, if the Holy Spirit is not living in our hearts, it's like having a phone without a SIM card. 
like having a phone but no Wi-Fi connection. All the potential is in it, but if it's not connected, it's not downloading. Are you with me? Are you connected right now? So the Holy Spirit is like the proverbial SIM card of the Christian life. He allows us to connect with our Father, so that we, human beings living in 21st century Ireland, can have a living, authentic, active, intimate, powerful relationship with God. And whenever the church has lost sight of that, whenever the church has lost sight of the fact that the Christian message is about the love of a father for his sons and daughters, and that Christianity isn't about status or what we wear or where we live or what we do in public, but Christianity is about a a public and private devotion to God, a following of Jesus, that's where the church always comes off the rails. Because religion fails everybody every single time. Relationship with God then is the purpose of our devotion. The purpose of our devotion isn't to score brownie points or tick boxes or tell everyone how spiritual we are. The purpose of devotion, the purpose of praying and reading and and acknowledging God through worship is that we can experience and grow in relationship with him. Now again, maybe you're new to church, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've never heard a conversation like this before, you're thinking, well, I don't understand that part, but what you do understand is we all understand, or at least we're trying to understand, relationships. I've been married 18 years, I don't still fully understand relationships, I don't think I ever will, especially uh, because women are so complex and God made them so amazing and so on and so forth, better be careful now, otherwise I'm dead. And, and uh, so despite all those years of being married and all that relationship, the point is I still haven't cracked it. But there's some things that we do know about relationship. One of the basic things that re- any relationship, friendship, business partnership, marriage, whatever it is, relationship requires time. And not just spending time, not just time in general, but a quality time, Right? A quality time. A daily devotional then with God is nothing more than quality time. I want, us to, I want to rewire our thinking. A daily devotion isn't religious liturgy. It's spending quality time with our Father in heaven. And maybe like me, you don't have a perfect father. Maybe like me, your past isn't full of rose. Maybe like me, you have story of a story. Of, 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 of perhaps why you growing up wished you had different circumstances. The point is none of us have a perfect father because no father on earth is perfect. But every single one of us can have a perfect father in heaven who made it possible for us to be in relationship with him, to walk through life never alone. Never abandoned, not as an orphan. There are no orphans in the kingdom of God because to as many of those who would be willing, there is a father who is proud of us and loves us and will accept us through Christ. Now, last week in part uh, two, we learned that you know, we were making a secret sauce. We need utensils, right? We need tools and we learned that those tools that we use, not all of them, but some of the primary tools that we use to cultivate, nurture, and to have this quality time are prayer, worship, and of course, God's Word. And again, if you missed that message, you can go back on YouTube. And in fact, all of the notes for today's message are in the app by a version called the Bible app. I want to really encourage you, if you haven't already downloaded the app, It'd be really crucial together because next week we're going to come back to it in a very important way. The Bible app by you version. Every week, all the notes from our talks are in there. Click on events, click on more, find Lighthouse Church Dublin, and the notes are there. So we need utensils. And we learned that worship is nothing more than acknowledging God. Just like when Ireland beat Scotland, come on somebody, 3-0, come on, wasn't that an amazing thing? Who says miracles can't happen? Hello? 
Three nil. And, and just like, like me, if you're watching TV, I was watching grown men cry and hug and kiss and raise their hands in the air and shout and scream. And if an alien, if E.T. had a phone home, then come back and I would have shown him those images, he'd be like, what the heck is going on here? It seems so bizarre. We take celebrations out of the context of a stadium where a sportsman played. It's just weird. It's, uh, put it another way. It's like the Irish become Italian. Do you know what I'm saying? Raw hugging and kissing and best pals. But if you were to take that out of a stadium and put it 100 yards down the street, that would be called weird. Why? Because when celebration is taken out of context, it always looks weird. In the same way, if you're here and you're not a Christ fan, thinking, why are you all singing? Why are they lifting their hands? Why are they celebrating? It's because you don't understand the context of what God has done for us. When you experience the love and mercy and grace and patience of a father in heaven who loves you and stands with you and walks with you. I mean, that is better than any goal, any tournament, anywhere in the world. So we're unapologetic in our acknowledgement of God, but we do understand how weird it can seem to those watching from the outside. In the same way we learn prayer is that some weird religious act reserved for, for those who are worthy enough? Prayer, by definition, is a conversation. And when our conversation goes from the uh, horizontal to the vertical, when our conversation goes from talking to other human beings to talking to God, that conversation is just technically called prayer. There's nothing, there's no special prayer you can pray. There's no special rhetoric. Even Jesus, when the disciples asked him, show us how to pray, and he gave us the Our Father. It wasn't that we should pray that prayer over and over. The power wasn't in the prayer. The power is in to whom the prayer is is sent. The power is in the God that we pray to. And so prayer is nothing more than a conversation. And of course, as you learned, the word then is if prayer is us talking to God, God's word is him talking back to us. And what I encouraged you last week and week two was to find some time to listen, to open God's word, to open the Bible up and just read something, to pray, to say to God. And if you don't know what to pray, just tell him how you're feeling, maybe what you're going through. Maybe, maybe why, if you're here, you don't follow him. Maybe tell him why you don't like him. You know, start there by all means. And of course, worship is acknowledgement. So we need these utensils if we're going to have this secret sauce. Today in week three, I want to shift a gear and turn a corner then. I want to talk to the next part of developing a secret sauce. And that is, of course, the ingredients. Because if you're going to make something, you need ingredients. Now, what is an ingredient? I mean, the word kind of gives it away. An ingredient is, a, is an individual substance that when worked into a whole makes something great. It's one little part of, of, of a whole that makes it work, that makes sense of it, that brings it together. And when we think about the Christian life, when we think about what it is to have a devotional, what it is to be in communion with God, what it is to have a real life practical faith in 21st century. And if you want to have this secret sauce working for us, we need to know what the ingredients are. And so what we're going to do for the next little while is we're asking the question, what then are the ingredients that we need for the secret sauce of personal devotions. That's the question we're going to ask. And that's the question we're going to try to answer today. And what's really cool is, this is kind of accidental. As we were preparing this message, and we came up, we came up with this really, well, I think it's clever, a clever acronym to help you remember what we're talking about, because it's always good to remember what's been said. <clears throat> what I also realized during the week was, man, this isn't just a great acronym for developing a relationship with God. This is a great acronym for all the guys celebrating Father's Day. This is a great acronym 
for fatherhood. So what I want to talk to you about is, is the ingredients, not only what it makes, what makes a Christian devotional life work, but also perhaps some ideas, some thoughts around what it means to be a good or aspiring to be good father. And the bottom line is this. We need time. When a, like I said, a devotional life is nothing more than quality time with God. And so by definition, the ingredients that we need are found in the word time. Now we need time as an overarching idea because time is the only resource or commodity that we have as human beings in a relational sense that cannot be replenished. I mean, you can make more money, you can catch another flight, you can buy another car, you can buy another house, you can start another business, you can even be remarried, you can have more kids, but what you can't do is you can never bring back time. And we're only here on the earth for a limited amount of time. And when you take out all the time you spend eating and sleeping and learning to walk, read and write, if the average person lives 80 years, we spend 30 plus years of our lives learning to read, write, walk, sleeping and eating, which means we only really have the guts of it. If you take out work, actually, because you work another 20 or something years, you only really have 20 plus years if you live to 80 to actually live. There's a thought for you to think about today. So time is precious. It was William Penn, the famous Quaker and writer, the one from whom the, uh, you know, the Quaker Oats, that uh, logo is inspired off of. He said, time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. Do you know my favorite part of this quote is, this quote was written over 200 years ago, and we have learned nothing. It's still the same today. You look at it and you go, yep, I mean, if only had more time, more time, more time, more time. We're all asking the same question, if only had more time. But none of us, or few of us, have come up with a solution as to what are we doing with the time that we have. And God has given us time, not as a, a kind of a, click, you know, a ticking clock, uh, like in Peter Pan, you know, when the, you know, the clock is ticking, the crocodile is coming. Like, time is not out to get us. Time is not our enemy. Time is a friend. Time is a gift. How many of you would say we went through a good experience with a work or went on a holiday or with a loved one who's longer here? You thought, if only we had more time. Time is a gift. And so we should use our time wisely. But within that time, there's also an acronym, T-I-M. You know, it's how, how I want to help you re- memorize what are the ingredients to having a successful or effective or authentic devotion life of God. But also what I, what I want to do is apply to us as fathers, as men, what are some of the qualities or attributes that make a good father? The first letter, T, stands for tenacity. The second one stands for intentionality. The third one stands for methodology. And the fourth one, E, stands for energy. If we're going to have a secret sauce kind of relationship with God, then we need these four things. And if you're going to aspire to be good fathers, good uncles, good brothers, good employers, good citizens, come on, good friends, then we also need to think about these four qualities, these four ingredients, if you will, that make the secret sauce of a devotional life. So number one, tenacity. I just, I just say with me, one, two, three, tenacity. There's something tenacious in the saying of tenacity. Now, if you don't know what this word means, the English de- dif- dictionary defines tenacity simply as being the quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly. 
Okay, so squeeze, like this, squeeze your hands a second to grip something firmly. You know, it's so funny, one of the hardest things to do in the world is to hang from a bar. Have you noticed this? Ever go to a gym or go to a park and just jump on a bar and just hang? I mean, it's really, really hard. It seems so intuitive just to close our fists and grip. But until you have to hang on for something, you don't really take for granted just how hard hanging on is. And so much of life, we, we, you know, we, we over-romanticize life as being this you know, the, you know, fun-filled, happy existence. But so much of life is a disaster, right? So much of life is pain and suffering and heartache. So much of life is just choosing to hold on and not let go. Now, maybe you're here, like me, you're thinking, well, as I think about tenacity, there's nothing in my original, nothing in my story that would have said that I was a tenacious person that came to the things of God. Not only was I not holding on to God, I was running as far away from God as I could get. You know what I'm saying? I had no interest in God or church or spirit things. I just really believed it was a whole load of nonsense. But what I didn't realize was that even though I wasn't holding on to God, God was holding on to me. And let me tell you something, and this is just for free, because maybe you're here, you're not a Christ follower, and maybe you won't become a Christ follower, but I want you to hear one thing today. No matter how much you push God away, God will never let go of you. His love is tenacious. His love for you is tenacious. I used an analogy a few weeks back, but I'll bring it up again. One of the things I love doing as a father, especially when, when, when your kids learn to walk, is that really privileged time of where when a toddler holds on to you, you know I'm talking about if you're a dad or a mother, and <clears throat> you're walking somewhere and the toddler's just you know, doing this thing and I've got a one-year-old who's in that phase and he's learning to walk really fast and just the other day we were, we were in, a, in an office waiting for something and he went walking and lost his grip and went whack, just walloped his head off the ground, big bump, and of course, doesn't kill you and he makes it better. But the point is this, we don't want to happen as parents, right? That's not a good thing we see our kids suffer. So one of the things we do as parents, when we're holding our kids and we're walking, what's really cool is they're holding on to us, right? But if, we, if our hand is open, if we're just giving a little pinky, and, and he's holding on to us, and the whole basis of our connection is his strength of grip on me, how many know his parents he's going to fall every single time? As soon as he loses his footing, he's going wallop, right? And everyone looks at you and goes, way to go, dad. What kind of father are you? All the judgmental eyes in the public. But the truth is, you learn, especially by child number four, like me, that, that when you walk with your kid, it doesn't matter how much he's holding on to you or her, because you're holding on to him. And when you're holding on to him, it doesn't matter what happens. He can lose his footing. He can trip. He can turn all the way over. As long as the father has the hold of the son or daughter, they cannot fall. God holds us today. He won't hold us against our will, and he won't hold you forever. But for as long as you're willing, God will hold on to you. Now, if we're going to be people... You want to reciprocate that. If you're here and you are a Christ fighter, say, well, I want to hold on to him. I want to be connected to God. Then there is a sense in where having a devotion life is never convenient. Isn't that mind-blowing that everything that matters in life is inconvenient? Like making time for your spouse, inconvenient. Quality time with your kids, inconvenient. Taking care of your health, fast food's so much easier. I mean, everything in life that matters is hard. I mean, have you ever eaten cauliflower? It's hard. I mean, you know it's good for you. Your mother told you it's good for you. It doesn't even look good for you. But you eat it anyway because you trust it's good for you. Then you think about some fried chicken. 
with maple syrup. And sure, why not a side of waffles? Huh? And then a big, extra large Dr. Pepper for me every day of the week. And because you can't just do that, you have to finish off with some honeycomb ice cream. You know what I'm talking about? Honeycomb? Am anyone getting hungry here? Like, why, why is this stuff that's good for us so hard? I don't have the answer to that. It's a mystery. Maybe you can figure it out and tell me. But what I do know is that because devotional is hard too, it must mean it's also good for you. Because if it was bad, it would be easy. It's not. Therefore, the evidence is in the fact that it requires tenacity. Our relationship with God requires a certain degree of tenacity. And the same is true for us as parents. If you want to be a good father, it requires tenacity. Why? Because it's easy to quit your marriage. It's easy to walk away from the children you've made. Again, I'm not judging anybody here. I'm saying it's, it's easy to quit in general. What's hard is to stay committed. What's hard is to stay present. What's hard is to stay engaged. What's, what's hard is to be a present father. No matter what you're, even if the marriage is gone, to be a present father for your children, that requires tenacity. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church like ours in a, in a region called Galatia. It's kind of like a province in ancient Turkey. And in that letter he wrote to all these churches in chapter 5, he was talking about the tenacity of our faith. He said, let us not become weary. Let's not get tired. Let's not, give, let's not become weary in doing good. Why? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Just like all the farmers right now scurrying around the laneways and, and roads causing mayhem with traffic, you know, tilling and planting and all the things they do. Because they're so diligent in their working the soil now, there will be a harvest. And here's the good thing about harvest. A harvest, yes, it primarily benefits the farmer, but a harvest benefits all of us too. Because without that farmer, without that harvest, there'd be no bread. There'd be no beer. There'd be no sweet corn. I mean, like, without the, we all benefit from the harvest. In the same way for us, when it comes to our faith in God and our relationships with each other, if we're not tenacious in these things, not only will we miss out individually, personally in the harvest, but those around us and those that we care for and those who care for us will also miss out too. Let us not become weary because if we don't quit, we'll reap a harvest. It was Amelia Earhart, the uh, famous female pilot, first woman to fly across the Atlantic and, uh, you know, just a great uh, role model for women all over the world who said, the most difficult decision, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest, she says, is merely tenacity. You see, there's nothing special about people who have a, have a, have a real relationship with God. The only difference between people we look up to who are close to God and us is that they are more tenacious than us. That's the challenge. They have decided to act and they have been tenacious in their action in following through in their desire to walk closely with God. In the same way, for those we look up to as aspiring, you know, fathers or, or mothers or just people, you know, employers, successful people, I mean, they could see what was needed to be done just like we can, but the difference very often is they were tenacious enough to follow through on their action. If we want to have the secret sauce kind of relationship that I believe God wants to have, then there must be a degree, like where there must be a little bit of grit in us, a little bit of elbow grease in us, go, you know what, everything in life does not come to us easy. Some things have to require sacrifice. And the same is true for us as far as mothers. Second thing we need then, tenacity, is intentionality. 
tenacity and intentionality. The Apostle Paul wrote another letter, kind of like an email, to a church in a city called Ephesus. And he said this in verse 15 of chapter 5. He said, be careful then how you live. General warning. Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. We talk about this all the time. Wisdom is so important. Verse 16, he goes on to kind of clarify what wisdom looks like. So wisdom makes the most of every opportunity. I mean, everything he's saying this far, we can agree with, right? We should should be careful how how we live. Don't be unwise and be wise. Wise defined as part A of making the most of every opportunity because why the days are evil. Again, we see this and evil isn't just some like, you know, uh, horror story. There's like just, life is hard. I mean, look, look around, look at the inflation, look at the housing crisis, look what's happening in Ukraine. We continue to pray for the peace and justice, come on, of the Ukraine. I mean, look at all around. We, we, don't, we, don't need, we don't need God's word to tell us. We can visibly see the days are evil. So wisdom understands that and seeks to make the most of every opportunity. But also in verse 17, wisdom understands because here's what he says. The opposite of wisdom is foolishness and foolishness in its biblical sense is not knowing what the Lord's will is. Foolish, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, the definition of foolish for us is that we don't, we know God, we say we follow him, but we don't know what is, what is we say he is our Lord and Savior, and we don't know what, what his heart, we don't know his desires, we don't know what he wants. I mean, a pretty crazy relationship if we say he is our God, and we don't even know what our God desires of us to do. That's foolishness. But wisdom is understanding God's heart, God's will. What's God's heart for you today? Maybe for some of us, it's pick up your phone and despite your, your anger and your frustration and your sense of betrayal, texting the person called your father and saying, happy Father's Day, or at least I appreciate you. Not because the person you're texting is honorable, but because you are honoring Listen, being an honorable person is very little to do with the other person. We don't honor people just because they're honorable. It's because we are honoring. That's who God is. There's always a reason. There's always something in someone else that we can find that we can be grateful and honorable or honoring towards. Maybe someone else says it's a text to forgive. I don't know what it is. What I do know is this, is that as we get hold of the Father's heart, not only does it cause us to know it, but it actually makes our life better because God's will towards you is for your good. Maybe God's will is you to stop doing that thing you know you shouldn't be doing. Stop lying, stop cheating. Confess that addiction because it's destroying you. And one day if you are married, young man, and you do have a family, it will destroy the very thing that you're dreaming of right now. What's God's will for your life? Maybe you're here, you're not a Christ follower. Very simple. If you're here, you don't have any faith in God, God's will for you is simple. Open your heart to him. And like I say every week, if nothing happens, you're right. Well done. You're right. It's all a load of nonsense. But if you truly and honestly open your heart towards God and he fills it, I believe not only will that knock you off your rocker, but it'll be the greatest moment in your existence. Being wise as fathers means that we understand that we have a limited time with our children. Time with our children. I have, I have a one-year-old, I have a soon-to-be 15-year-old. It's dawning on me as a father that there's only so many more years I have left going on holiday with my family, having my, all my sons in my house, doing the things that right now seem like a pain because they're mundane, I'm beginning to realize, hang on, this season is almost over. Where did it go? 
Where, where's, where's 15 years gone? Like that, boom, gone. Being wise means as a father, more do you understand that you have a unique time and role, responsibility, yes, but also privilege with your kids. Don't wish it away. Don't waste it away. Don't, don't say, oh, I'm doing it for their future. Listen to me. The thing your children want the most is not a career or a house or some leg up for life. What they want is a father who loves them and affirms them and is present for them and is engaged with them. As, and I understand. I know we can't like just give our jobs and be full-time dads. Maybe some of you are. And that's a great privilege. But in general, what it means is that we be intentional with the opportunity that we have for as long as our kids are kids in our house. Now again, thinking about our devotion life in the same way, you know, having a, an active and authentic devotion life of God is not going to happen by accident. There has to be a degree of intentionality. If we want our, our lives, our time, our relationship with God to be significant and to matter, then we have to be intentional. We've got to carve out time. We've got to be disciplined. We've we got we to gotta, we gotta look at our lives, look at our calendar, ask questions, what comes first? Because how you start your day is how you continue your day. And for me, I want to start my day as much as possible in God's presence. Maybe you're a person who has to get up early and travel to work on a bus or a train or a plane or a car. Why not start your day by turning on God's word, by turning on music that makes you worship, by just putting yourself in an environment where you can experience, cultivate quality time with God. It was the leadership author and speaker, John Maxwell, who said, an unintentional life accepts everything and does nothing. Sound familiar? Asher, look, I'll get around to it. Asher, Asher. I, we Irish and the Asher, unbelievable. We should write a whole book about Asher. And I should have one page because he never got around to it. Because Asher, you know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. An unintentional life accepts everything. My definition does nothing. And none of us as little kids said, oh, my aspiration in life is to one day grow up and do nothing. We want our life to matter. We want our life to count. We want to make a difference. He says an intentional life embraces only the things that will add to the mission of significance. I want to submit to you that one of the greatest things that we can focus on intentionally to live a life of significance is our relationship with God. Because our money and our cars and our houses and our Instagram followers won't come with us when we're dead. But an investment in the relationship with God is not only an investment for you personally for eternity, but will leave a legacy if you're a father and mother for your kids and your grandkids. That you were a person of faith and integrity and good character and that you were generous. And even though you weren't perfect, but you, you tried your best to live your life as God's love required you. If we want to leave that kind of legacy, then we need to be tenacious. We also need to be intentional. Number three, we also need, need a plan. We need a methodology. Right? Because good intention alone gets us nowhere. A good methodology means having a good plan. We need a plan. I don't mean like a one a size fit all plan for all life. Seasons change, life changes. When I was younger, had no kids, it was easier to plan. When kids come along, when a child comes along, it's one thing. When there's two, when there's three, it gets more crazier, life busy, all these things. So our plans need to change. What doesn't change is the need for a plan. Our plans need to change. What doesn't change is the need for a plan. How many of you lose weight by accident? How many of you get more intelligence by accident? How many of you got buried by accident? Like if we want to grow in life, 
There has to be a degree where we need a plan. How do I plan to get married? Well, here's a good plan to get married if you're single for free. Rather than trying to convince someone to be with you, even though you're a mess, be the kind of person you want to be with. Be the kind of person that's worthy of someone being with. Be a young person of good integrity. Be a person of your word. Be a person who walks a walk of character. Be a person that when people really get to know you, think, man, I'm not just marrying a person or an Instagram profile. I'm marrying a person, a man or woman, with character and integrity. As the old Proverbs goes, or saying goes, a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. We don't have to wait for a perfect plan. Make a plan. I mean, eat more broccoli. Eat less chocolate. I mean, I mean, of course you can jump on all these plans, but essentially there's no time to present. We can wait for this perfect plan or we can just start now. One particular methodology that we want to suggest in this series, and by the way, this is a big kind of hint into next week, which is part four, and the final message, do not miss it. Do not miss next week because we're going to bring the whole thing together and give you a little gift to help you get started in the secret sauce journey. One particular methodology that we really encourage is what we call soap. Now, we're not going to be handing you out a bar of soap next week, so in case you're wondering, no. Well, that would be a good idea. Soap is also an acronym. It's an acronym within an acronym. And I first came across this, I'd say, 14 years ago. Because I was at a point where I was like, man, I want to pray more. I want to have quality time. I want to be more engaged. I don't want to just wait. I don't want to forget about my relationship with God. Because when you forget about things that matter most, love grows cold, right? Life pulls us away. And so I don't, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. And God, so I came across this really cool, cool outline, if you want to call it, this methodology to help me be intentional, to be tenacious, a methodology. And S stands for scripture. So every day I have a Bible reading plan. Maybe I'm just reading through the scripture. Maybe I'm reading a plan, how to be a good father, how to be a good husband, how to deal with stress, how to deal with oppression, how to break free from addictions. There's so many plans in that Bible. So every day I start with a scripture. It's just one verse. Maybe, maybe I read a chapter, but it's one verse. I write it down. I write it out word for word scripture. Okay, you know, and here it is. And then the second letter is the O. That stands for the observation. So the next thing I do on my page is I, is I write down what I see. So what, what's happening in this scripture? And again, it's amazing how easy it is to read God's word. I mean, you don't have to have a theology degree to be able to read God's word. God speaks to us through his word. But then, how many know observation alone is enough? Just saying, oh, and God said we should be good fathers. I mean, Close the book, well done. No, no, there has to be a degree of application if it's going to change us. It has to apply to us. So here's the scripture, here's my observation, but here's what I think, here's what I sense, here's what perhaps God is saying to me through this scripture. And then as a result, here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. And what's so cool is, is if you're a studious person and you love this, you could spend two hours like across five pages, drawing pictures of daisies and writing poetry as you watch the lambs leap in the fields, listen to Beethoven if you want. Or you can do it in five minutes at the bus stop waiting for the 111 into town. The quantity of time is not what makes it meaningful. It's the quality of our connection that makes it meaningful. Five minutes Quality time with God is more valuable than five hours of just, uh, I'm, do, I'm doing a devotion. I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. How many of us understand, even in, in relationships, that we don't, we don't want relationships like that? We don't want people 
doing things with us or for us just because they have to. That's, that's obligation. We want to know people are doing things because they love and appreciate us and want to be with us. God put that value in you because it reflects his heart too. God doesn't want meaningless ritual and religion. God wants real connection relationship. See, the purpose of this isn't, isn't that this is magical. This isn't replacing the Our Father as another thing. It's just a way. It's just a methodology for us every day to pray and hear God's heart. And, and what, what soaping does, what, what any, and this is just one, maybe you find a better one, what any methodology does is it helps us to focus on God. It helps us to pray. It helps us to acknowledge him in our lives. It's why the Apostle Paul said in another letter he wrote to the church in Philippi, modern day Greece, he said, do not be anxious about anything. Which, what a crazy statement. Anyone anxious about anything? I know I am. We all have anxieties, worries, fears. He says, we don't have to be anxious about anything. Why? Because every time that we are anxious, we should convert that anxiety into prayer. Every time we have a worry, we go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Rather than asking yourself, what are you going to do? Change the question to, what will God do? Oh, what am I going to do? No, 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 no. That's me and my own strength. That's me by myself. I have a father. He is good. He is able. He is all powerful. What can God do? What will God do? In fact, wisdom says no God. What does God want to do in this scenario? And as we pray in every situation with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, as we present a request to God, verse 7, the peace of God. This is really cool. And again, it should be a whole series in itself. When we're anxious and we turn our anxiety into prayer and we give our anxiety to God, in exchange for our anxiety, God gives us his peace. This peace isn't like an absence of conflict. This peace is a deep seated, real sense of trust. And that sense of trust in God, it transcends, means it goes above all human understanding, but it also guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but man, there's so many things in the world that I need someone to help guard my heart. I mean, just traffic alone drives me crazy. Even just coming to church today, I was like, what is this idiot in front of me doing? Oh my God. And I was like, maybe I should, you know, drive around them or beep with them. And I'm thinking, maybe someone from church. It's like, yeah, idiot. Hi, pastor. Oh man, I'm so terrible. I need something to guard my heart. I need something to guard my mind. All the things that can go wrong, all the plans that we have, all the threats to our plans, all the complexities, all the worries. I need something to be able to, I need something to, be able to kind of protect that mind to go, you know what? It's going to be okay. Not just because general positivity, but because my heart reminds me of a father in heaven who loves me. And a good father doesn't abandon his kids. He protects them. And he provides for them. And because I have this father in heaven, my heart speaks to my mind and reminds me, you're not alone. Okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. In the same way, a methodology helps to experience this. As a father, having a methodology with your kids is really important. Because life is hard and you need a plan. And I don't know if I have a perfect plan. I have ideas. But one of the things I instituted very early on with my kids is this idea of whenever I need to make a withdrawal, go away, or not spend time with them, I always try to live by this, this value of wherever I have to go to, the, to, the, to, the, to them and say, I can't be there for this. I want you to make sure there is funds available in the, the account to be able to make a withdrawal. 
So if I knew, for example, I was going away for a work trip in a few weeks, I would be super intentional and create a plan. I said I was going to spend quality time with them, sometimes one-on-one ahead of time. So we had some moments so that when I went and said, hey, I have to go away for a while, there was funds in the account to make a withdrawal. And as long as I keep investing and keep, keep adding and keep saving and keep prioritizing, then whenever I have to make an ask, there's always margin there to draw from. The problem is, is when we don't, as fathers, invest in our kids, when we don't prioritize them, or we're not engaged with them, and then we have to make a withdrawal, and we're overdrawn, and all of a sudden we're bankrupt relationally, and there's no relationship anymore to even speak of. Don't be a father that runs the relationship with your kids into overdraft. Make investments. And even if you have been bankrupt, even if you have gone through the heartache and heartbreak of a breakdown of relationship, as long as that person is alive, there's still hope and there's still time. God can heal all things. And maybe today, that's your next step, is just take a phone and, just and say, you know what, I want to meet for coffee. I'm sorry. Whatever it is, today is a day. Make the most of the opportunity you have today. But as parents, as fathers in particular, we need to have some kind of plan. I'm saying like a nine to five, but something in general, they want to come. Because let's be honest, come on, dads, you plan your money. You plan your work, right? You plan your hobbies. Where's your plan for your kids? I don't mean your plan to make them successful, because everyone see how successful you are. I mean a plan for you to be their father. For them to grow up one day and say, of all the things I've achieved and all the things I've valued, one of the most important things to me was the relationship I had with my father. What will your kids say on the day that you're put in the ground? Oh, he was a good man. Loved a few pints. Always out the lads. Rest in peace. Someone's life, someone's fatherhood. I can't tell you how many funerals I've been to, how many funerals I've done, where that was it. That was the eulogy. I don't know the man because he never knew me. What a tragedy that your life could be reduced to that. It doesn't have to be that way. Be tenacious. Be intentional. Have a methodology and last and finally and then put some energy into it. Come on. Because everything in life that's worth doing requires energy. If time is our greatest commodity, then energy has to be the close second. And the older you get, the more you realize just how precious your energy is. When I was 21 and my son, my first son was like, I don't know, two, I had all, I could match his energy. I could match his intensity. You want to do 10 laps in the kitchen? Let's go, son. I can do 20. By by son number two, I can do 10. By son three, I can do five. By son four, you run, I'll watch. The greatest day in history is the day you teach your child to make you a cup of tea. Honest to goodness, it's what life is for. Energy goes downhill. As we get older, we don't have the same energy. Yet every relationship that we have, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a business relationship or a relationship with God, it requires energy. Energy is defined as strength, but energy just isn't strength in general. Energy is action. Energy is dynamic. Energy is action. In Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church in the city of Colossae, says, He is the one we proclaim, that is God, admonishing, which means kind of like to encourage, 
and teaching everyone all wisdom, there's wisdom again, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ for 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. See, Apostle Paul, he, by the time he wrote this letter, he was at least in his 60s, possibly writing from prison, which is not cool. And yet Paul could say, even though my human bodily strength fails me, there's a strength in me, a secret sauce, a hidden power that tricks the ears, that, that doesn't run out, that's available to every single person that will prioritize and focus on God. It's an energy that we have in Christ. The energy isn't just reserved for doing, you know, religious things. That energy is for life. How many of us as fathers say, we're saying, God, give me this energy. Give me the strength to strenuously contend with my kids when they clean the room or eat their dinner or whatever it is. Like we have available to us a higher power. It isn't just for super spiritual tasks like climbing a mountain and praying for 21 days. It's a power that's available to us every single day. See, the power is not in the methodology, but in the Christ of the methodology. And sometimes we, we, we underestimate just how, how important energy is. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know how to be a good father for my kids. I don't know the answer. I don't have the solutions. That's true. But your kids don't require perfection. Your kids require your tenacity. They need intentionality. They need you to have some kind of loose methodology. And lastly, they need your energy. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, energy and persistence conquers all things. Your kids won't remember what you did at work. They won't talk about what you owned or what you earned. What they'll remember is the amount or lack of energy that you put into their lives. Energy you put into being at their game. Energy you put into listening to their story even though you know how it ends every single time. Energy are looking at every single drawing. Energy attention to every detail in the project of energy and how you talked about them when they failed or fa- have fallen. Energy when they're struggling. Energy when it comes to questions of faith and meaning and purpose. Energy. Because as a father, you got out of bed every Sunday morning and showed your kids that your faith matters. Energy in how you loved your spouse. Energy in how you forgave and asked for forgiveness. Energy in how every day you selflessly and sacrificially went to work to provide for them. But energy that doesn't hide behind the provision of the father. But energy that found time to get on the floor and play anyway. After working all day to feed and close them. Your kids don't need a perfect father. They need you. They need you to show them some energy. In the same way, God doesn't need perfect Christians. God just wants us to give him energy. Five minutes. Every day. God, you first. Here's what I'm going through. Here's my anxiety. Here's the junk of my life. As I take this time to find you in your word, What do you say to me? The reason why God wants our attention isn't because he has some deep-seated need for affirmation. Because he knows the power of what happens when we hear his voice. Sometimes as fathers, we have to over-encourage our kids. Why? Because even though they're able and strong and can achieve or it's doing or leaving start right now, junior start, they're playing a game of sport, 
I can tell you how many times I, as a child or a teenager, would be in rugby pitch, and I could hear nothing and see them, but I could hear my father's voice. Go on, Jamie. Well done. You can do it. Times where I was injured and wanting to quit, when we were down, when we were losing, my father would run over to me and get on his knee, and he'd say things like, remember who you are. It's not the scoreboard that matters. It's what's going on in here. Words that, even though he wasn't a perfect father, that stayed with me all my life. Why? Because he had energy to be there when I needed him the most. Maybe he didn't have that. That's sad. But you can be that to your children. And if you never had it for yourself, we all have it in God. The point is, guys, as we close, time is precious. Time is precious. Let us live wisely as Christ followers, as parents, as mothers, and as fathers. Let us prioritize the relationships that matter the most. Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, and especially today as Father's Day, relationship with our sons and daughters. And as we close, in the book of Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, show us, Lord, how to use our time wisely. Show us how to prioritize. Show us, not, not the number of our days, but to live out the number of days well. Not only for ourselves, because what we call our life now will one day be called our legacy, but also for those who come after us. Amen. Hey, we are so grateful that you could join us today. We really hope and pray that you were encouraged, that you feel blessed by this message. And you know what would really help us? If you could click the like button and also subscribe to our channel because we want to get this message across Ireland and the world and that would really, really help us. So please go and do that. Um, and also to let you know that you can watch and listen to previous messages and find out a whole bunch of stuff on our website, Lighthouse Church. And something else that's really cool, Jake. Tell us about something our else. Today. Yes, guys, we have a brand spanking new Lighthouse Church app. Yeah. So make sure to go download it on our website, or you can download it via the app stores. And there's a lot of cool things in there. You can rewatch previous messages, and there's also some downloadable content for you guys. So make sure to download the Lighthouse Church app. And there's also the Old Fashioned Bible on it. Bible is so important. So, and you know what? Even better than this experience today that we've had is church in person. It's just so good. We meet every Sunday morning in Navin and in Dublin. You can find out all the information on our website, uh, but it's at 11 a.m. every Sunday in person, and we have the best time. So come join us. Uh, we would love to have you with us. So we'll see you next week for Lighthouse Church Online, 7 p.m. Yes. right here. And also, don't forget to follow our social media handles, lighthousechurch.ie. So we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.